Kilda Church, hope you're having a fantastic summer break. While we're not meeting in person at the moment, we're all enjoying a restful time. Uh, we are going to be posting some sermons every Sunday, and this is going to be one of them, uh, from some of our friends from around the place. And this week, uh, a friend of mine called Mike Pilavachi, who's not really a close, close friend, but I've hung out with him a few times over the years. He's had a huge influence uh, on my life, and I'm really grateful for his ministry. Uh, he's based in the UK, travels extensively, uh, encouraging the saints. Uh, and so this is a talk from a number of years ago that he did at a conference called Naturally Supernatural, just talking about the reality that the power of God is found in the presence of God. And as you'd know, if you're part of Bay Vineyard, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of us cultivating a deep devotional life. And so I pray that over summer you haven't left uh, Jesus back at the start of the summer break, but even if you have, he's always there waiting for us. A great time to, again, just restart those habits, those rhythms that see us so uh, connected to that source of power that we find in God, but it's found in his presence. And so enjoy this talk. It'll be on all of our usual social pipes, uh, podcast pipes, and, uh, and on YouTube and all that sort of thing. Uh, but enjoy this lovely uh, talk that's so encouraging from Mike Pilavachi. A few years ago, um, I uh, was uh, going uh, with uh, 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 my friend uh, Matt Redman. Uh, we were going to go to. We were going together to Berlin from Stansted Airport. Uh, to uh, he was going to lead some worship, and I was going to speak at an event uh, uh, in Berlin. And uh, as we uh, as we went to Stansted Airport, we arrived and we checked in. Matt checked in. I went to check in. And I suddenly realized to my horror that I hadn't bought my passport. And uh, I tried to get through on my driving license, but that didn't really work. And so I phoned our office here and uh, Ali, not Ali who spoke this morning, another Ali on our team, uh, they have a key uh, to my house. And I told, I told her exactly where my passport was. She went to my house, she got the passport. She drove to Stansted Airport. I missed the flight, but there was another flight that was due to go to Berlin. Uh, but Ali, for all her gifts, her many gifts and talents, driving fast was never one of them. And she arrived after the last uh, plane left for Berlin, and I was gutted. We were only there one day, and we were supposed to go for one day, and I missed it, and I missed it. And it was like there was nothing I could do. There was not even a flight that was going somewhere else that would then catch another flight to Berlin. So I said to Ali, all right, well, let's go home. Let's go home. It's too late. And as we were walking through Stansted Airport to the car park, I noticed this guy standing by the wall and he was, had a suitcase either side. And, um, and, and it was just this brief thought came into my mind. It was just a flicker. And it was, um, uh, he needs encouragement. Go and pray for him. And it was, you know, it was like one of those things. And immediately I kind of thought, oh, Pilavachi, you're, you messed it up. You've got it wrong. You're trying to make yourself feel better. You think you're David Wilkerson or Jackie Pullinger or, well, not Jackie Pullinger, but you know what I mean, uh, the male version or something like that. And you're, you're trying to make it better. But I made the dreadful, dreadful mistake, which is what I would normally think of telling Ali. And as we were walking, I said, you know that guy over there? Just this thought came into my head that we should go and pray for him and that he needs encouragement. And, and Ali got so excited 
to my horror, she said, this is amazing. This is like the books. This has never happened to me before. And I was like, no, Ali, I was just mentioning it as we were going to the car. Let's go to the car and go home. And she said, but you've had a word. Well, I think it might just be me. And I think it probably is me. But what if it's Jesus? What if it's Jesus? And I, I really didn't care if it was Jesus. I was feeling so, so fed up and so, so not wanting to be there. I just wanted to go home. But I could see that Ali, if I just went to the car, she would be so disappointed and devastated. So in the end, I said, okay, Ali, let's walk past him. And if he's still there, let's see if the Lord says anything and we'll see. So the two of us, he was standing there, the two of us walked past him like this. And then we went and, I, and, and Ali said, did you get anything? I said, no. And I said, did you get anything? She said, no. And then we decided for some reason we'd walk past him again. So we walked past him again. And it was, we didn't get any more. And it was like, by this stage, I was like, why didn't I just go home? What is wrong with me? And then Ali was like, let's walk again. So I promise you, I promise you, we walked past him seven times. And that wasn't because of Jericho. All right, it was nothing to do with Joshua and Jericho. And we got nothing. And Ali was up for us walking past him until, I don't know, I don't know when she was going to give up. I was, I was not being spiritual. I, was not, I just wanted to go home. I was fed up and I was cross with myself. And in the end, I thought the only way I'm going to get home is if I actually bite the bullet and we go up to this guy. So she got all excited. I was just knowing that it was going to be a disaster. And we went up to this man and I said, excuse me, but we're followers of Jesus. And um, we just saw you and we were just wondering if maybe um, you, needed, um, you needed encouragement and we could pray for you. And he looked at us with eyes wide open and he said, I don't believe it. He said, I've just arrived from Kenya and I'm a pastor and I'm waiting for the elders of my new church in Essex to collect me. And my family is following me and they're late and I'm standing here. And as I've been standing here, I've been thinking, what on earth am I doing moving my family to another continent, to a church I hardly know? What am I doing? And I was just been standing there and he said, I've been standing here praying, God, before they come, could you just give me an encouragement? Could you just give me an encouragement? And do you know the thing about that was, I was totally not feeling it. I was totally not being spiritual. I was fed up, I was cross. I'm sure I was swearing in my mind. Um, and all of, well, I'm not sure, but I think I was. And uh, I usually, no. And, uh, and all of that. And it turned out it was the Lord. It turned out it was either the Lord or a great coincidence. And you know, most of the time I ask, I, we keep asking each other, I keep saying to Andy, is there any way, could, could this be a coincidence? Or do we always get people who are very codependent and, and just want to make everything right so someone always responds and things like that? Well, I, I don't think it can all be that. But you know what? I realized that, that actually... God is speaking more than we think. How many times had that happened to me? And I had no Ali next to me to say it and to make me follow through. And how many times have I thought, you know what, that's just indigestion. Because with me, a lot of the time it is <laughs> indigestion. And you know what, 
that said to me more than anything, it was the kindness of the Lord. The Lord in one foul swoop, he encouraged me, he encouraged Ali, and he encouraged this pastor who was on his way to a new life. I started with that story because you're told in preaching never to start with a negative story. So here comes the negative story second. And uh, this, because um, uh, what, what we want to talk about now for not too long um, is about the naturally in the naturally supernatural, is the naturally. I was a student uh, millennia ago at Birmingham University. And when I was at Birmingham, um, there was um, a healing evangelist came into town, came into Birmingham, and everyone got very excited. And they hired what was then the bull ring. And it was a huge place, and we all went. Everyone went, and I went and sat near the back. And there were, there were I don't know, it seemed like thousands, you know, three, four thousand, I don't know, people there. And I sat at the back, and the meeting was very pumped up. It was very, you know, claim your healing. It was very, all of that stuff. And sitting in front of us um, was this guy in a wheelchair with no legs. He had shorts on, and he just had these stumps, no legs. And he was sitting in front of us. And then towards the end of the meeting, the healing evangelist said, now you've got to step out in faith. I want you to step out in faith. I want those in wheelchairs by an act of faith stand. And as you stand by faith, um, God is going to heal you. And I sat there and I watched this guy's two friends who brought him. One grabbed one arm, the other grabbed the other arm and they lifted him from the wheelchair and I saw him frantically moving his stubs and just faster and faster until his face went red and he was sweating and he was doing this for ages. And then after a while, they, some people seemed to have been healed and all of that, but he was just exhausted and his friends were tired carrying him. And as the meeting closed, they in an embarrassed way put him back in his wheelchair and then they were so embarrassed that they wandered off. And I sat there and my friends wandered off and I just sat there for a while behind him, a few feet away, just sat there watching him. And I sat watching him as he caught his breath and as he just stared at the ground. And then after quite a long time, he shrugged his shoulders and he started to wheel himself away. And do you know, years later, one of the regrets of my life is I didn't go up to him and say to him, mate, I am so sorry for the crap you have just had to put up with. And I made a vow that day. I never, ever, ever want to have anything to do with anything as ugly as that again. Because have no doubt it's ugly it's ugly. There may have been an element of power somewhere, but there was no love. There was no love. There was absolutely no love. And ever since, I've, I've longed to, for a model 
of ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit that's about love and not simply power. Jesus reveal, shows his power to reveal his love. That's what we see in the Gospels. When Jesus healed people, it was good news. Wherever Jesus went, it was good news. He didn't leave people like that. He didn't do things like, like that to people. He didn't abuse people. He loved them. And he treated them kindly. And he served them. And we need, to, in these days, I believe we've got a fresh chance to model something new. Something that is about the power of the Lord coming upon us, but displaying and revealing his love, his mercy, his goodness. Do you know, Moses, Moses asked a very strange question um, in Exodus 33. Um, and it was towards the end of Israel's time in the desert. And uh, Moses had just said, we're not going to go up from here unless your presence goes with us. And the Lord says, okay, my presence will go with you because I'm pleased with you. I won't, leave, I won't stay here in the desert. I will go with you into the promised land. And then Moses says something that I thought for ages was crazy. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And do you know, for ages I thought, Moses, how greedy can you get? If there's anyone who's seen the glory of the Lord, it's you, mate. You know, you've seen it all. Just think about it. Just think about it. I mean, you know, everyone else was being killed. He's, he's a miracle baby. He survives. Then um, the, the Lord meets with him at a burning bush, a burning bush. He speaks to him, his staff. He says, what have you got in your hand? A staff. He says, put it on the ground and it becomes a snake and then it becomes a staff again. And then he sends Moses back to Egypt and then he has this confrontation with Pharaoh, but more than that, the gods behind Pharaoh. And there are the plagues of Egypt. And, Mo and Moses' God does miracles. And then they go to the Red Sea and the, the army's behind. And there's another act of, you know, Moses puts his staff and the sea parts. And then they're the other side and they're thirsty. And so Moses hits a rock and San Pellegrino water comes out by the gallon, by the flipping gallon. Then they're hungry and every day they have a miracle, a miracle every day. Every day manna comes down and quail. They get fed every day. They're led by the, the pillar of fire at night and the cloud in the day. And after all of this, Moses, you're saying to the Lord, now show me your glory. What do you think all that was, Mo? What do you think all that was? I mean, how greedy. I, I wouldn't mind just one of those. Leave one of those for us. But do you know what happens when Moses says, now show me your glory? The Lord says this, I will cause all my goodness to pass before you and I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Moses has seen it all, all the power, all the power and then he says, now show me your glory 
And the Lord answers with three words, goodness, mercy, compassion. That, my friends, is the glory of God. That's the glory. The glory of God is his character. His power comes to reveal who he is. And if it doesn't reveal his character, if it, then, then I question whether it really is his power. His power comes to reveal his goodness, his mercy, and his compassion. And you know, over the last few years, I have seen this again and again and again and again. His power comes to reveal his goodness, his mercy, and his compassion. And he calls us, if we want to be involved in his ministry, he calls us before anything else to be a people of love, to be a people who care. Otherwise, you know what? The power of God is dangerous in our hands. It becomes really dangerous because then we can abuse the power for our own ends. It's not about us. It's so not about us. It's about the people we serve. It's about serving people around us. And I've longed for years for a model that incorporates that. And, and the honest truth is, some years ago, um, I, when um, I, I, I went to a conference led by uh, a guy who was almost as big as me, called John Wimber. And the, you know, the, the, the teaching was very good, but you know, it was the worship and the ministry killed me, killed me in a wonderful way. And do you know what? I saw the power of God at work in amazing ways and no one was manipulating anyone. No one was hyping anything. It was just people were being normal and you saw, you saw, and I, it was like, I've come home. I've come home. Now, I haven't come home to become part of the vineyard, although I love the vineyard. I'm, I'm still in the Church of England. Um, but, you know, uh, it's not, it, but I've come home because this is who, I, this is, the, I've, I've seen compassion. I've seen tenderness. I, I, I'd like people to pray with me like that. I'd like people to minister to me like that. And ever since, I've, I've longed for that. And we've had phases in the church where we've sometimes got so enamored with power that we've forgotten that it's all about a revelation of Jesus, a revelation of who he is. And you know, every time, even this afternoon for those who were here, you know that, what, what, did you not sense the tenderness with which he met with people? And I, and I love it when people who have no, they've, not got, they've no thought, you know, they come and they never think that they'll go forward. They never think, and then God meets with them. And I just want to tell you just a couple of little stories and then we maybe flesh it out a little bit more and then we're going to pray. But just this last summer, one of the things that just killed me, um, not killed me, I don't know why I keep saying that, um, but really affected me was we were in the middle of, of a meeting and suddenly this thought came into my head and it was like the Lord said, there's someone here called Brian and he's, he doesn't believe in me. He's been mocking me and he's been mocking everything that's been going on to his friends. But just now for the first time, he prayed to me and he said, and he said, God, if you're there, show me. God, if you're there, speak to me. Now, it didn't come quite like that. I've refined it a little bit. But, it, but it, was, it was a bit like that. And it was just this thought. And it was like, oh. 
But it wasn't like, hear ye, hear ye, God calling Mike, are you receiving me? It was, gosh, that's an interesting thought. Um, is that you or is that me? And what I've worked out is if I say it and it's me, nobody dies. But if it's Jesus, somebody might get blessed. So we say, I said, I think there's someone here. I think your name is Brian. Uh, I might be wrong, but you just, you've been mocking everything that's been happening. Your friends brought you, but just a few moments ago, a couple of minutes ago, you prayed. No one knows you prayed this, but you said, God, if you're real, Jesus, if this is real, would you show me? Would you speak to me? And I said, Brian, where are you? Would you come forward? This kid came forward, this young man, and he was weeping. And some folk prayed with him. And did you pray with him? It wasn't you. Some, some people prayed with him and, and led him to Jesus. And afterwards, they were telling me, he was going around saying, he knows my name. He knows my name. He knows who I am. He heard me. He heard me. That's how it's meant to be. That's his, that's his glory. That's his glory. That's his glory. You know, Ali said a, a phrase that I, I loved this afternoon. Um, she said, you know, it's in our vulnerability and it's in our weakness. God's power is made perfect in weakness. And honestly, if there's one thing I long for us to know, enough, enough already, enough of waiting for the anointed man of God to come into town with the anointed healing ministry or evangelistic ministry or prophetic ministry. I believe, in, I believe there are people who are more anointed. But you know what? When we, when we wait for the few to do the ministry to the many, it disenfranchises the many. One of the quotes from Wimber that I love the most is he says, he said, um, when, it comes to the min when it comes to the ministry of Jesus, everybody can play. The only rule is play nicely and share the toys. And I believe with all, you know, and, and actually that's the thing. What we want to teach, what we want to try and teach in, in these few days is not only how to hear God speak and how to pray and how to see what he's doing and how to discern, but it's also, guys, it's also to play nicely and share the toys. Play nicely. Be nice to people. My old boss, David Pitches, um, uh, he used to say to us, when we were on the ministry, I was on the ministry team of his church before we planted this one. And he used to say to us more than once, after you've prayed for people, if they leave knowing nothing else, they should at least leave knowing they've been loved. They should at least leave knowing they've been loved. And there is a way, there is a way that, that is, that is non-coercive. I don't want to be, I don't want to be anywhere anymore where someone says, the Lord has told me da 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 about you. And then the person says, uh, don't think so, no. Uh, well, he's told me and I've got it always right. So there must be something wrong with you. You know, it's like, let's, let's, let's throw that away. It smells, it smells, it smells. Let's, let's do it with grace and a little bit of humility and a little bit of kindness, and let's allow people, let's allow people to, um, you know, to, 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 to get it wrong. I, I, or, or let, and let's allow people um, to say no if they're freaked out. Um, I'm just going to tell Sam's story of, of Daniel, if I get it right. Um, there's a guy called Sam Miller in Tim's church who... Um, 
I've known a bit for about, because he was at university with, um, with some friends, so for about 30 years, 20, 30 years. And uh, he's in Tim's church and he's always been passionate about reaching young people on the margins. And uh, it was, I think, in uh, May, about May, in May, uh, Sam was walking in Birmingham through a park and he noticed this, this guy sitting on a bench and the thought came into his head, his name's Daniel and he feels like he's in prison and he feels like there's no way out and I want you to tell him I love him and I want to release him from his prison. So Sam, being a very courageous guy, he went up to him and he said, excuse me, something like, something like, um, 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 I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus and I think he's spoken to me for you. Um, I think he's told me, is your name Daniel? And the guy said aggressively, no, it's not. And Sam thought, oh no, I've blown it. Okay. And he said, well, look, seeing, seeing as I'm here, I may as well tell you this, the other bit just in case. And I just felt the Lord say to me, you feel like you're in a prison and you don't know how to get out. And the Lord wants to tell you he loves you and he can rescue you from your prison. At that point, the guy broke down and he said, I lied to you. My name is Daniel. You freaked me out. I thought you were a weirdo. Something like that. I lied to you. My name is Daniel. And Sam found out that Daniel was sitting on that bench getting ready to kill himself because he had nothing to live for. Sam sat with him, I think, for two hours. And that was the other bit. It was for two hours he sat with him. And he talked with him and he prayed with him and he led him to Jesus. And Daniel was filled with the Spirit. And then Daniel ended up, um, poor guy in Tim's church. And, uh, and he was there. And uh, I think, I think, uh, uh, I think in September, the two of them got up and gave their testimony. And, and Sam told his side. And then Daniel said, you know what? I was sitting on a bench ready to end it and God sent me someone. God sent me someone to tell me that he loves me and who knew my name and he said now I've got a God who loves me and I've got a family. I've got a family and Tim was telling me he's probably not as keen now but but at the beginning he was at everything. I mean you know as soon as the doors were open Daniel was there. Now isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that how it's meant to be? And you know what? Daniel, Sam didn't say to Daniel when he said, no, that's not my name. Well, I'm sorry. But you know, it's like, it's like let people, don't coerce anyone. You know, and yet, humbly. And that demonstrates for me more than God's power, but his goodness, his compassion, and his mercy. And we want to find models. So everything we, we, we do here, we, we're not going to try and make anyone do anything they don't want to do. All right? We're not going to try and make anyone get, get religious in a strange way, in whatever way. We just want you to be you and to feel free. And no one has to respond in the way others do. As already happened, some people, and what was happening, I think, tonight was some, there was a... a, a, a crying out or screaming out that that's probably just pain that's been there for a long time that's coming out uh, for some they'll they have been you'll have heard some tears and some that'll be something else that's being healed uh, for some um, they were shaking or they, they they ended up on the floor everyone was, is all of it God no no human beings are involved it's us 
but it's our response to God. And so we just make space for each other and we give each other freedom. And you know, as we learn to do this, in the context of the local church gathered and the context of the church scattered, this is meant to happen. If you read the Acts of the Apostles, it's meant to happen out there on the streets in the marketplace. It's meant to happen out there, you know, with, with the person at the desk next to you, you know, or the person at the bus stop or your neighbor over. And, and you know, and, and, and that's why we want to provide a model that isn't just for church. So we don't all have to put on white suits and have booming voices and take big collections. You know, we can just be ordinary, ordinary. I could be wrong, but is this? I could be wrong, but I just wonder. And you know what it does? It makes ourselves vulnerable. But I think God moves at the point of our vulnerability. Because you know what? The greatest triumph, the greatest glory, the greatest wonder of all was the cross. And wasn't that the place of God's greatest vulnerability? Isn't it interesting? In the place of his greatest vulnerability came his greatest glory. We glory in the cross where they stripped him naked they whipped him, they nailed him, and they mocked him. And we glory in the cross. And so, as I come into land, God, God is looking for us to move in his power. And this is what I wanted to say to finish. And, and guys, this isn't for those who have got it all sorted. I used to think that people who, who, did, who did this stuff from platforms were all sorted until I stood on platforms. And then I realized that that's so not true. And you know what? It, it's in our brokenness. And as we offer even our brokenness to him, he, 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 the miracle happens there. The miracle happens there. Andy won't mind me telling you because he said it, but this year Andy's been struggling with anxiety and uh, it's been a battle at times. You know, it's doing a lot better, but it's been a battle. Um, I don't have to tell you what I'm struggling with. <laughs> you know, and, and guys, I, I joke about it, but it's the truth. I feel so ashamed. I'm just being honest now. And don't come and tell me it's, you know, I'm okay, I'm okay. But at times I feel so ashamed. And I, I struggle, and I know it's not good for me, and I know it's doing me damage, but I can't get on top of it. And, and sometimes I've thought, well, maybe I should stop ministering until I'm thin. Maybe I should stop ministering until at least I'm not, I'm not addicted to food. And the Lord says, no, keep serving me, and keep looking to me, and I'll heal you on the way. And, and it's not just that he'll heal me, it's that I need to repent at a deeper level or whatever it needs. I haven't worked it out yet, I'll tell you if it ever happens. But you know what, that's the truth. That's the truth. And, and I'm, 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 I'm going to... Sometimes life isn't easy. And sometimes we mess up. And sometimes we don't get it right. But we disqualify ourselves. And because sometimes the model we've had from the front of church, or more the front of conferences and festivals, is that you've got to be perfect and have the perfect partner and the perfect children. And you've got to be ultra successful and fairly good looking and all of those things. 
And you know what? That's a lie from the pit of hell. He puts his treasure in jars of clay. He puts his treasure in cracked pots. He puts the treasure of his life in weak, broken, vulnerable human beings like us. And you know what? It's as we go in our vulnerability. Here is the very last scripture. It's very brief. And then we're going to pray and see what happens. I love this. There's so many stories I could have chosen. This is at the end of Mark chapter 1. A man with leprosy came to Jesus, verse 40, and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. As we've got that on, I'm going to read that passage again. Do you want to start from the, the beginning? A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. I hope you've noticed I've left three words out. Jesus was indignant. Jesus was indignant. I don't know exactly what was happening, but this is my best guess, and I'm fairly confident. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Really? If I'm willing, really? Bits are falling off you. You are a social pariah. You're in agony all the time. You can't be with anyone else, and you're asking if I'm willing. You and I clearly haven't met yet. I am willing, be clean. You see, the more we get to know his glory, his goodness, his compassion, and his mercy, the less we have to ask the question, if you are willing, if you are willing. And that's why all of this comes in the context of getting to know him better. Hey, and when I was saying what I said right at the beginning, now I'm feeling like I need to apologize a tiny bit. I wasn't having a go. I don't, I, I, any church tradition. It was, it was that excessive thing. It killed me watching that guy in that wheelchair. It haunts me still sometimes. It, it, it's just, we can do better than that. We can do better than that. Amen. Um, And God wants to meet with us. And you know what? No one needs to be scared. No, Tim, why don't you just come up and so give people hope that I have finished. Nobody needs to be scared. You know, you know, I, you know what? When I used to meet prophetic people, I remember, you remember those, those days, of the, what they called the Kansas City prophets? And some of them came over and I met them. I, I would repent in triplicate before I, I met them. And I would remind Jesus that once I'd asked for, you know, I'd, I'd asked for forgiveness, and he not only for, forgave, but he said in his word that he would forget. 
And I said, if you've forgotten, you can't tell them, you know, and I would avoid their gaze just in case the Lord forgot that he forgot and, and all of that. And you know, of course, that's just not how it works. It's so not how God is. Do you know, he comes to encourage us, to bless us, to cheer us on. And yes, of course, of course he convicts us. But he doesn't, he's, he's, he, he's not out to humiliate us. He convicts us. And it's out of his grace and his kindness. And that's what we want to soak in, in these days.